They want to exterminate us. This cure is voluntary. Nobody's talking about extermination. No one ever talks about it. They just do it. And you go on with your lives, ignoring the signs all around you. And then one day, when the air is still and the night has fallen, they come for you. Excuse me. It's only then but... you realize while you're talking about organizing and committees, the extermination has already begun. Make no mistake, my brothers. They will draw first blood. They will force their cure upon us. The only question is, will you join my brotherhood and fight? Or wait for the inevitable genocide? Who will you stand with? The humans? Or us? I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse! Dun, dun, dun. And we're back with a triumphant return. Well, maybe not so triumphant, but a return nonetheless to the X-Men series. We are wrapping up the original X-Men trilogy. Yeah. And believe it or not, this was supposed to be the end of the series. They were like, this is it, guys. The last stand. Yep. And God, that would have been something what a choice to make. What a way to end it, you know, just on devastation. Yeah. So, as you know, if you've seen this, this movie makes a lot of big choices uh, in terms of killing off major characters. I would say none of the deaths are earned. None of them make any story sense. And it's just, yeah, it would have been an absolutely horrible end. I don't, I don't know how they thought that would be satisfying for anybody. And we were kind of commenting early on, like, the conceit of this movie is pretty good. Like, this is actually, I remember a lot of this stuff, even though I haven't rewatched this movie a lot. Um, they just, they go out in a real comic book fashion, though, so I can give them that. Like, this feels like a very comic booky type of ending. Um, but as a movie watcher, um, I'm not a fan. No. Yeah, I mean, it's... So I, I was going into this with very much like a mindset of like, oh, I'm going to like shit all over this movie because it's it's fun. And fortunately, the series was redeemed by the uh, at least like two of the prequel movies that they went on to do later. But the beginning of the movie, at least, and I would say bits and pieces throughout the entire thing are enjoyable and we get to, like, continue with these characters that are still, you know, the, the same ones that we've known and loved from the first two movies. But as it goes on, it's just, like, the choices that they make, like, I, I just don't know what, what they were thinking. Whether it was just a movie in its own right or the end cap to a trilogy that was built on the backs of, like, two very strong early-era superhero movies... I mean, one of the things that I, I saw about the production of this was that um, Brian Singer, um, who was also not a very, is not a very great individual, um, who did the first two movies, he bailed on this because he wanted to go do Superman Returns. So, wow, he, what a choice. Right? So he left, 
he took his writing team with him. And I'm pretty sure he was also like, I didn't really have a plan for a third movie. Like, this was not the kind of trilogy that was written with a clear end goal in mind. So when he left, it was kind of up to Brett Ratner, who was the replacement, and I guess the the writers that the studio tapped to, you know, figure out where to go from where they left off with X2. So that's where uh, Simon Kinberg came in, who had worked on Fantastic Four and Elektra, and he later went on to do Dark Phoenix, and we all know how that went. I mean, it makes sense that somebody who did Dark Phoenix would have done this movie, because this is like Dark Phoenix. I just... Also. I think it's really, it's funny, and it's also really sad for him, because I think he, like, when he wrote this, he really wanted to, like, lean into the Dark Phoenix thing and have that be the emotional core of the movie. It's like, okay, you tried that, didn't really work out, so... Well, because it was half-baked in this movie. Right, and then, like, over a decade later, he does it again. And you had and a der- whole movie to make it. Home, he has a series to build up to. Yeah, do a movie, literally called Dark Phoenix. You get to write it and direct it, and it's even worse if you ask some people. I think parts of it are better, but it was still messy and still, like, was the end of the X-Men prequels. Like, someone get this man away from Jean Grey. <laughs> He's, his, his obsession is no good. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot. Um, we so do we want to start with the beginning, or did you have other like overall thoughts? Because I mean, all of the stuff we've touched on so far are things that I think are going to come up as we talk. But yeah, no, let's I just start from the beginning. I, I, there is some more like interesting background stuff, but yeah, we'll just do that as we go. Um, so we get the beginning of this movie with some prequel scenes Mm -hmm. um which i was starting to like forget how what was from dark phoenix the movie versus what was this but i guess he just reused a lot of the same ideas material yeah i think it's right from the comic saga like all the stuff with gene as a kid and stuff and like her parents so we get that first meeting with eric and uh Charles. charles and her and then we get a 10 years ago scene with the another Nameless politician's son who is a mutant. Yeah. Haven't seen that before in, like, all of the movies. uh, (laughs) I don't know why that needed to be included as a prequel, but I guess it just, like, laid the foundation for this... The cure um, stuff. ...cure vaccine thing. Which, honestly, I kind of think is um, symptomatic of, like, the direction that they took with this movie, which was, like, half stuff about the cure, half stuff about Dark Phoenix... Um, you know, with the overlap happening later on, but like those scenes are so disconnected from each other and having them both like as like their own, like separate flashback vignettes is very weird. I don't know. It was just, I was like, they wanted to do two things with this movie. And then the thing that bothered me is that their next thing was like in the near distant future. And they're like doing this simulation, which you don't know it's a simulation, which is also feels like days of future past. 
Um, and I was like, what is happening? And then they're just like doing this like trial run. I'm like, why did we say in the near distant future? That just still has bothered me since we saw it last night. It's just so they can be like, ha gotcha. Like you thought some shit was going on, but nope, they're just training the kids. They did get me. Well, hope it was worth it, guys. Because, I, yeah, I don't know. It was so, it was so silly. Um, so early on, also, we get our introduction to Beast, played by Kelsey Grammer. And honestly, like... Shocking. That was shocking right. to once me. I, once I saw uh, his name on the cast list, I was like, okay, I see it now. But I did not know that before because I so strongly associate Beast with Nicholas Holt now that I straight up forgot that he was in the original series at all. Which, because Nicholas Holt's character is so important in the prequels, it's kind of odd to go back and watch the first two movies where Beast is just not a presence whatsoever. So it was cool to have him around. Yeah, I really like Beast as a character. I love, like you said, Nick Holt's portrayal of him. So I was excited. And I think Kelsey Grammer did a good job. I was just, like, really surprised to see him. Yeah. Because I had forgotten he was in this. Yeah, me too. Like, totally. And, like, it's interesting that they they show so little of, like, the human world um, and, like, what's happening kind of there. We only get it from, like, the lens of Eric or from the lens of Charles. Um, And for, you know, for what it's worth, like, this is kind of wild that they're at a place that they have, like, a very visible mutant, like, on TV, like, making statements. Whether it's all for show or not, I was like, wow, that feels like a big move from where we started Oh yeah, the first X-Men movie. We've come a long way. And I don't know how much time is supposed to have passed. I, I, you know, if the not-too-distant future thing was just, like, a bit for that scene or if it's implying some sort of time jump. Otherwise, it's only been, like, six years. I mean, if that, like, if we're using Rogue and Bobby as age markers, they've not aged more That's than, like, very true. four years, maybe? Yeah. So things are moving quickly. So, yeah, my, my most of my next couple of notes are about the, the cure and whatnot, but I did notice one line. Um, Professor X is talking to Storm, I think, in, in the school. This is, like, a very early scene. And basically, it has some line about her, like, taking over for him. And I was like, are they trying to, like, drop in some foreshadowing about him dying in this? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because she says, what do you know? And it's clear he sees what's happening. Right. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, every time, like, they drop the foreshadowing and then, like, when he does actually die, I just, like, find it hard to believe that there was no game plan for future movies because of course like we we had this post-credit scene we'll talk more about that later but i'm just like what was what was the plan because i think they seriously fuck up this movie by getting rid of like the eric charles thing and i feel like there was no hope for future stuff if they like committed to that and they had like charles come back but he's like not charles i was like what they clearly were not thinking at all they really weren't and like i don't remember if this is the case, but if Fox had a deal like Sony did that they have to be making so many X-Men content every few years to fulfill their contract to hold on to the X-Men. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they do or not, but I don't, I mean, there was only three years between this and, 
X-Men Origins Wolverine. So maybe maybe you're right. Yeah, but that's like its own thing. Yeah, but it's still an X-Men movie. I know, but like in terms of continuing this story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Which they ended up with like a brilliant movie with X-Men First Class, and they had to do a lot of like work to gain back the trust, in my opinion, because even though like technically we only have like what, like three or four deaths, I consider like the being inoculated of your powers as a death in these movies. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're functionally not like in my anymore. mind, Eric and Mystique also died. Yeah, they basically did. I'm sure if you ask them, they would say the same thing. Like they're not, it's not the same anymore. But yeah, I mean, they don't touch this continuity again until the Wolverine, which is seven years later, which is pretty wild before they were like, okay, they, I guess they formulated some game plan of how they're going to come back <laughs> from all the bullshit that they pulled in this. And that's why days of future past exists, which is just, that's gotta be like the most work that a I studio thought, has had to do to fix a mistake. I thought the Wolverine was like all in Japan or something. It is, but it's, it takes place after this because it's, Logan grieving over killing Gene, uh, Gene which is oh, wild because right. when we watched it, I was like, damn, like really? Like they seriously like did a direct sequel to this <laughs> like that much later. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Like that could have worked, but it's weird that they had the other Wolverine movie beforehand, which feels very disconnected. So messy. The whole thing is just so messy. Ah, that's making my head hurt. <laughs> um, but so yeah, we get this like, cure vaccine thing announced and one just so like there's like the politician behind it with his son who's a mutant who had i think they call him angel yeah um which that part that's just like a devastating plot line that little like vignette at the very beginning or flashback scene is rough it really is um so that was just like a side note but they uh, immediately after this like announcement, like everyone's like kind of jumping into action and we've got Hank basically quitting his, well, that might come later, but he goes and joins up with Charles and everybody. But then on the other side of town is like this meeting of, I guess like the bad boy, uh, ragtag mutants who all have tattoos and like, Eric's there about to like take charge. And I just think that scene was like so funny and them having their little town hall about it, um, separate from like Charles's team is so funny to me. And they just went to Hot Topic. They got all of their like goth bondage gear and they're like, let's go. Like, where did they find these guys? <laughs> and I know that they're doing a thing where they're showing like two very different sides of a coin between how Charles and Eric do things, but like there has to be an in-between here with mutants. It's so like maybe you're not in like the school camp and maybe you're not like a deviant of society. It really reminded me of that really dumb episode in the second season of Stranger Things when Eleven goes to like California or whatever and finds like all the other test subjects and they're all like they all right, have like yeah. like uh, eyeshadow and they're all just like hanging out on the streets yeah. and I'm like yeah, it's it's so, like, stereotypical. I mean, like, part of me is, like, yes, of course it makes sense that they're, like, deviants of society because they've, like, been pushed out. A lot of them don't blend in, don't want to, or can't. Um, and then I'm sure there are lots of mutants that are trying to, like, 
hide this fact about themselves. Again, we get the LGBT um, comparison. But, yeah. It's uh, just a little on the nose. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I felt like I was in a Joel Schumacher Batman movie for a second. That's definitely the vibe that they lean into here. And I also feel that way about um, building the cure facility on Alcatraz Island. That was. I was like, are we for real here? <laughs> also, they use that for tours. Like, it's the safest place we could find. Like, what? How? Like, what does that mean? Also, clearly not safe. You know Magneto's around. Like, you're going to build it next to the... Uh, whatever. Not safe at all. Is so ridiculous. But these movies just love having end fight scenes on islands of, yeah. you know, first the Statue of Liberty and now this. Well, like, we found out Statue of Liberty is not safe, so I guess we got to use our other island. <laughs> I just, like, I completely forgot about it. Well, kind of, because I remember the, the end fight was there, but I was like, really? They put the thing... In it? I don't. I didn't remember that. I mean, the safest place was that one that they destroyed in the last movie with Stryker. Yes, that is very true. But about that, the town hall thing, I mean, for for all the other goofy stuff about it, Ian McKellen, killing it as always. Like, you know, for all the bullshit in this movie, um, he and why did I just forget? Patrick Stewart's name are just like Charles. On, yeah. They're just like as great as ever working with the lines that they have. Like, I actually think, um, Charles, I get them mixed up. I actually think Eric's monologue in that church is like really good, even though he's just like doing his like usual, like us versus them routine that we know. Down yeah. Pat at this point. I mean, I've been pretty vocal that, like, Magneto slash Eric is, like, one of my favorite characters from a lot of, from, like, a lot of superhero stuff, but especially from the X-Men series. Um, And I think that they really did something different with his character, though. I think that beginning stuff felt on point, but then, like, how he disregards all of his, like, team of mutants at the end did not feel... Like the Magneto that we've grown to yeah, know. Yeah, definitely not. Like, like, I feel like he wants to preserve as many mutant lives as possible. And him being like, they're just pawns. Like, oh, well, like. Yeah, that didn't. I, I don't know. It's not. That's not like. It doesn't mesh with what we know about Magneto. Like He has, he has like a somewhat warped but concrete sense of morality. Yeah, and I don't think he would just send a bunch of mutants into the line of fire of like the cure weapons. Right. Like, for, for what? Just like to end, I guess it's like for the greater good, but yeah. I don't think so. I, yeah, I just didn't sit right with me and I feel like he, he would definitely sacrifice mutants for the greater good, but not like in this like mass genocide that it turns out to be. And part of that is like not his fault. Like, I mean, I mean, technically it is because he like brought on, uh, Phoenix, but in other ways, it's not. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I know that's at the end there, but um, I think that they they missed the mark with his character in this movie. Definitely. I think someone did not understand what, what made him tick. I think that you can say that about several of the characters in this, but I think his is the most glaring example for sure. Well, speaking of different personalities, should we talk about Phoenix Rising? Sure. Although it's like I, I'm 
trying to figure out like why there was so much rage towards this movie still is. And I think a big part of it is because instead of like Phoenix itself, we get like weird zombie looking Jean Grey. Right. There's some people <clears throat> who are like, I, I had kind of forgotten because it's been a while since we covered X2 on the pod. But at the end of that, the tease for it is like you actually see like a Phoenix shaped like yeah. a red thing. And then it comes out and it's just like you said, Jean Grey wearing a red corset and a coat. Oh, and she dyed her hair even and redder. She's like, I'm, comes back I'm to bad life. now. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and also, so the introduction scene that we get is a uh, sad boy, Scott Summers. Uh, really sad boy. Not He's not doing great. He goes back to the lake from X2 after Logan tries to be like, I understand because I totally had a crush on her. So, so like we're in the same position. We're both like really you should sad. just move on. Like I'm going to go to Japan in a couple of years to grieve this. Um, but he, I guess is just like, he's going there to just like, uh, you know, scream into the sky a little bit, just let off some steam. But little does he know that someone is still in the water and well, he does. He keeps hearing her. She's right. talking to him. Yeah. And she does the same thing to Logan later. Right. But I feel like part of it is like, is this actually happening? Or right. Just right. Like, but I mean, like he went there because he could hear her. Yeah. Um, but he shouldn't have gone because poor James Marsden, although I did find out, in fact, that this was his call, got the shit end of the stick. Uh, he's like the de facto like leader of the team for the what first two movies. He also was like, I'm going to go work on Superman Returns. Because remember he was in that? Oh, right. Isn't he like the dad in that? Or he's like a side character. I don't even remember who he is. He's not Jimmy Olsen, is he? I don't remember. But yeah, you're right. He is in that. So I think and that he... was a surprise. James Person shows up in like everything. Yeah. So he jumped ship. Um, and I think he only like shot a little bit, obviously, before... He was just written out, which, you know, that's not really any one person's fault, but damn if it sucked. I mean, he was such a good part of the first two movies and the difference in like between him and Logan, I think was like always an interesting dynamic to be explored. And it's just like, we just get, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't know what they were going for. I think it was just a consequence of him leaving. And it's like, let's see, like Jean Grey's not the same anymore and she can kill anybody. But yeah. like, I don't. Also, we don't ever see him, his death. We see everyone else's death where she like literally like breaks them apart, which is horrifying. Right. Um, so like, that's also like disappointing, I guess. And back to what you said at the very beginning of the episode, like not earned his death. And like, we don't even see anyone else from the team reckon with his death, except for a little bit Logan. Logan's like the only one that cares about anyone, it right. seems. Like everyone's so like callous about everything. And like I get it, there's like this war, but like people don't seem sad that Scott's dead. No. Everyone's like, oh, we kinda hated that guy. Which is not true. Everyone <laughs> no. loved Scott. I just really wonder like if they would have done that if he hadn't like needed to leave the movie. I don't I think it was important for this story that they were telling that he dies early. That 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 they're showing what Phoenix is capable of. That like she killed Scott, but it would have been in a very different way. But they also do that the same thing with the professor in like a couple of right, scenes. Right, which is stupid. Um one of the other guys. Yeah, 
At least don't just, like, kill him like this. Like, have him, like, go out fighting or something. Well, basically, like, no matter what, they already have a character for each of the things with her. Like, they have the the man who loves her that has to kill her, which is Logan. Like, that's not going to be Scott. And then there's the one that she loves that she ends up killing, which is both... Which I think it does is Scott. And then I think the Dr. X death represents something different. Which is what I think, this is my opinion on what they keep getting wrong about Dark Phoenix. And I don't know the comics, but I think what what both movies really struggled with was developing that relationship between Jean Grey and Xavier, mm-hmm. Charles. Because that that's what this is all about. It's, and they do explore that in Dark Phoenix, but like I don't think they do a very good job of it. Um and I think, like, this movie, it definitely lacks because, like, we get this scene where Logan finds out that um, Charles has, like, put these, like, things in her brain to, like, keep her at bay. But then, like, and then you see her getting angry about that. But then, like, that's it. And then she kills Charles. Like, what did we learn from that? Because the moral of this story was that Charles was right to do that. And I don't think that's what the moral should be. And I think in Dark Phoenix, it's, a little bit of both, I guess. I don't even remember that much of what we were supposed to be getting taking away I from don't, Dark They Phoenix. don't know what they're trying to say. Because it's trying, yeah, it's like trying to paint Charles as like, he's like overbearing and like too protective, which in some ways he is. But it like, it's also, yeah, like you're saying, at the end of the day, he was right about like Gene not being able to handle it because it's just like... Like so much so that, that Eric even agreed at the end. Right. I don't, but they had like Eric like hanging out with her anyway. Well, no, like the very end, he's like, "What have I done?" Right. I I don't know. Um, Yeah, and I I think um, having the the history of Professor X and Phoenix was not covering that in any kind of flashback. Like if we had gotten a bit more time with that instead of that angel scene in the beginning. Yeah. But like even when they do training, when they do it again in the prequels, it's still not good. Because they didn't bring Jean Grey in as a character until X-Men Apocalypse. I'm like, why didn't we just, like... Right. You wanted to do it again. Just give the build-up that it deserves. I don't know. And, like, it's a big character. Like, it's a big... Like, you have to go big with it, and you have to be ready to, I guess, do that. But... I don't know. I just... I feel like there's just so much depth that's missing from that character and her dynamic with everybody. Yeah. And if they wanted to explore this like Jean Grey versus Phoenix thing, then make Phoenix her own character. Don't just make her like devoid of Jean Grey. Right. That's, I think that's a big issue. And I think they kind of touched on this again in Dark Phoenix, um, where she like has this thing inside of her. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's kind of causing, like, I, this I, increase I th- in powers? I think. I, I don't Is this also a plot in Deadpool 2 where there's, like, a thing? <laughs> there's, well, there's, like, a, well, what do you mean? Like, a, like a thing? What like, that's, thing? like, um, possessing people? No, Deadpool 2 is that kid that's, like, really strong. Okay, never mind. But is that is that the Dark Phoenix thing? It's, like, kind of possessing her, and there's, like, these aliens that come that's, and are trying yes, to take... Yes, because yeah. that's, um... 
oh shit, who plays that character in Dark Phoenix? I don't know, it doesn't look like her. But uh, yeah, and they don't touch on that in this. Right, all, which really. is fine, like but different... like, it does feel like they, again, it makes a lot of sense as the same guy behind both movies because they're doing that thing where like she, her eyes turn black, like there's mm-hmm. definitely something inside of her. Yeah. But like, that's not the story you're telling in this. So tell the story of her having these like, how she created this alternate personality. Like that could be interesting. That's what we're seeing on Moon Knight right now. Yeah. Just, just botched potential. They should have just. And like her having uh, a, a, a goal or something, even if it's just to like use her power to her full extent, like right. maybe just, some like, lines, I don't know. Maybe give her some dialogue. Somehow <laughs> they, I think they fucked up when they put, they tried to focus on so many characters in this because they had no time to dive into any of them. So like a, a good description that I saw of like how they handle the characters in this is they're all like one dimensional cardboard cutouts of themselves. Yes. They each have one defining thing where it's like Logan is sad. Scott, for the time that we see him, is just sad. Storm is just sad about everything. It's just like they're not like Iceman is just mad at Pyro. Pyro is mad at Iceman. Like there's no time for anyone to really like get to sink their teeth into a situation because we're just ping ponging between all this shit. Like whether it's like Rogue and uh, Bobby's relationship troubles or it's like, OK, no, now we're back to Charles and Jean Grey. Oh, Mystique's in this movie for like five minutes and then gets depowered, which was also dumb. I think that actress is also going to do something else. But I'm like, you guys keep you're sacrificing all of like the interesting characters. Right. <laughs> what are we left with? The also, guy, that, guy that looks like Sonic the Hedgehog. They know <laughs> they know how to handle like this many characters because they've been doing it in the last two movies. Like you don't need to give us a lot of background on Mystique or on Rogue or Bobby. Like we know them. Like spend the time with Jean Grey, like slash Phoenix. These writers just they couldn't do it. Like they introduced a little bit of new characters with like the whole Deviant Squad and uh, Hank, and then they cut out a character that they introduced Moira, who it seemed like they were writing to make her into a character, and then like didn't have her actually in any scenes. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah, it was all over the place. And when we were watching it, I wasn't feeling, like, angry about the movie. I was just like, okay, this is what I remember, like, and then it shit hit shit hits the fan at the end there. Um, but now talking about it, I'm just realizing, like, how disappointed I am. Right. I it. mean, like, yeah, in a vacuum, like, watching it, like, totally fine. Like, I was like, I'm enjoying this. Like, there's, like, some good action set pieces and stuff. But it's, yeah, it's not until after you reflect on, like, what it did to the series that it's like, wow, like, you guys really stepped in it. Interesting note, though, is um, First Class obviously pumped a lot back into the franchise. Yeah. And Matthew Vaughn did that, who also did Kingsman. And we had talked about him because I think he was also considered for... Man of Steel? I think it was Man of Steel when we were talking about him last. Um, And he was tapped to direct this and was, like, signed on, but only briefly before he quit. And in that time that he signed on, I think he did some of the casting. Um, I don't know who he was responsible for getting, but... Kelsey Grammer. (laughs) I think think one of them was Kelsey Grammer. Um, But, I mean, Matthew Vaughn was a a late-game acquisition... um, 
Hugh Jackman's contract included the approval of the director, so I guess his taste is rough. He wanted Darren Aronofsky, who did like Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. Oh God, that would have been so dark. Uh, Joss Whedon, of course, turned he turned it down, but he wrote the comic book Gifted, which was the basis for the Cure plot. He said no because he was working on a Wonder Woman movie. Interesting. Which is pretty wild. And then there were a billion other people, Zack Snyder, but he was busy doing 300. Because um, what year did <laughs> First Class come out? Uh, 2011, I think, and this was 2006. But you're saying these were all people for this movie or for yeah, First for, Class? Yeah, for this movie. Oh, interesting. And Okay, so Matthew Vaughn cast Kelsey Grammer, uh, which was a good casting. Dania Ramirez as Callisto? I, I think, think that's Sonic. Uh, no, oh. or one of the. She's the one that can sense yeah. other people. He also, but those were pretty good. But he also cast Vinnie Jones as Juggernaut. I thought he was fine. People really hate this Juggernaut because he's just like a walking meme. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I think that was a little too much uh, cheese for some people, but I. Yeah, Did I they don't. cast Elliot Page? Um, because we were both surprised to see them in this, and then yeah, I don't know. Be when, brought back for days. Of I don't know when he got cast. I have no idea. Um, yeah, they, they wrote this, the script of this in seven months. They had seven months to complete the script. And during the first week of work on it, completed the first 80 pages, which got leaked and everybody hated it. I was not on the internet at the time, but I'm sure it was quite a mess among the X-Men fans. Um, well, back to the movie, uh, so I just talked about Mystique getting depowered, and I had a note on that, which is that was one of my favorite action scenes was when he is just kind of casually knocking the cars yeah. and the convoy over. Love seeing Magneto in action. Never gets old. Also real, like, Sinister Six vibes where they're, like, unveiling everyone yeah. with their powers. Or, like, um, Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Little montage Um But I think it's... I mean, obviously they, they did this on purpose, but... This voluntary vaccine or whatever that the first participant is being forced to take it uh-huh. is just very telling of the whole situation. And in which case, like, Eric is right to be, like, waging this, like, I guess, war. But, like, of course, we almost never agree with Eric's methods, but maybe the end result. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what makes him such an interesting character. I think the best thing that the movie does is set like this cure backdrop. Like they have have rogue be so involved in it. I think that's where the strengths of this movie really lie is in like the bits and pieces that we get of that. And I, every time they like delved into that, I was like, damn, I wish they were just focused more on this and less on the Jean gray stuff. Cause I think there's so much, interesting material like in this kind of like cognitive dissonance and how she feels about it which is so valid versus like how like bobby and others are like you should like appreciate this when yeah it's just yeah i I mean doing that story would have been really full circle to the first one since it's so heavily features rogue and then you don't need to do the gene gray plot like just amp up the vaccine 
plot right. and like have more of a conflict there. I think that's more than enough material. Um, and like have Charles die in this if that's what you want, but have Eric be the one that does it. Um, yeah, not. Uh, yeah. Although I do love that Eric is very like upset that Charles is dying yeah. in that scene, even if he acts not that upset immediately after because he's like okay moving on but like you can he tell is. yeah and I'm, I'm glad they at least did that I had the sense to know that that's not like just a, a cackling villain moment for him like he like lost a friend yeah um a horrifying end for mystique uh yes like one she tanked like four of those darts which i think also happens to Magneto later, um, yeah, ends up just curled up naked in the fetal position on the ground in human form, which she is not. Doesn't want to be. Like, we've never, I don't think in these movies, like, we see her, like, in her own, like, human form. Like, she doesn't do that. She's either blue or she's imitating somebody else. She Sometimes she'll use, like, her, what she really looks like, like that actress as one of the people she's impersonating, but I right. don't think you necessarily like, know that like, that's supposed like to be what she looks like if she wasn't blue. Right. So it's just like... Not like Jennifer Lawrence. No. And it's just like incredibly like humiliating. Yeah. And then like... And Magneto just leaves her. Just like, just like that. Like that was rough. That I do believe though. Like I thought it was horrible, but I was like, this I do see him just immediately being like, You mean nothing to me now because you yeah, are nothing it's now. You like are nothing, but I man, like Mystique did not deserve that. No. Like I know that she's just like a she's much more straight up villainous in this than she is well by I say that for the prequels, but I don't know how much I actually remember, so I'll hold off on that. But I mean she was a pretty integral part of the first two movies too. And I don't think she deserved to go out like that. But again, I also think that this actress was busy with other stuff. So they just kept running into that with this movie. Um, I'm at like Jean Grey waking up and then going yeah. on a bit of a rampage. Yeah, we can jump ahead a bit. Or where were you? Um, I have two notes left and they're both pretty general. So, I mean, one of them was just about, uh, human mystique giving up the brotherhood to the government, but I guess... Oh, yeah, I have that later. She, like, didn't really? Because it was just that guy? Well, did you want to talk about that now? No, we can jump to that later. But my other note, um, which I guess also ties into... In, in a way, ties into how many people they shoved into this movie, was, like, the fact that despite... they, We get, like, a lot of scenes of the school of classes being taught and stuff like that. And I understand that a lot of these like background characters are students, so they're not going to be fighting alongside the rest of the team, but it always feels kind of small. Like the number of actual mutants that we see like as a unit. Cause it's, I know that I understand they're like focusing on like a small group. Cause we need to follow a couple characters throughout the trilogy, but like, I think this is a problem in the comics too, from what I understand is that the X-Men love to like introduce these new mutants and be like, yeah, like they're just like hanging out in the background all the time, but we never actually see them. And I think that's, it's a difficult balance to strike. And that problem continues in the prequels as well. Cause I remember when apocalypse came out, they were like, Oh yeah. Like we've got like Jubilee and like a couple other new characters that they were introducing. 
And then they they were in it for like 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's just like, damn. And they and it was worse in the prequels because as good as those movies are, they're just kind of like using the same characters again. Well, they want to inter- the, they'll show you what they were like before. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it works for X-Men because you can just be like, oh, well, there's a new mutant. Like, it's nice to have that flexibility. Um, but then I think the, the excuse that they could have in this movie is that they are, like, literally training, like, them to be fighters. And so they, they've they only trained so many. So, like, just because there are other mutants around doesn't mean that they're ready to, like, fight. Like, right. you can see that they're training Bobby and um, Rogue and Kitty. God, <laughs> horrible. Kitty Pride. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. So I'll, I'll give him that. I did see just an interesting note before we move on. Um, because we've been talking about the attempted combination of the Phoenix and Cure plots, the studio only wanted the Cure story. The writers had to fight to keep the Phoenix plot because Simon Kinberg has a boner for Jean Grey, apparently. And the disputes over the script kind of led to them not giving Jean Grey anything to do in the second half of the movie. That's Uh, evident. Studio executives considered the tone of the Phoenix story too dark for a mainstream summer movie. And they uh, went on to defend the fact that the Phoenix didn't look like a Phoenix and wasn't a cosmic force because it doesn't fit the world that they had built. And that Cyclops didn't have as much screen time as Wolverine because the latter was more popular and because you can't relate to Cyclops as much because you can't see his eyes. Wow, that's some ableist shit. And they actually were going to kill him off screen just with a dialogue reference. I mean, essentially, that's what they did anyway. I just, yeah, the more I read about this, I just can't overstate how much of a mess everything was. Like, between that, um, they were they were doing... They're developing X-Men Origins Wolverine at the same time that they were writing and shooting this so they couldn't use characters, like, over again. Like, they wanted to put Gambit in this, but they didn't because I guess there was a Gambit in X-Men Origins. Um, I will have to try to remember. It's fine. I don't. Channing Tatum really wanted to do a Gambit movie and kept trying to get it made for, like, ten years and then gave up. Like, Alan Cumming wanted to come back as Nightcrawler. Why couldn't he? Uh, the, but they, they couldn't like find a part for him. So they just cut it and they're like, we, uh, we didn't have he, anything. He could just to be do at the school. They were he like, could be teaching. He says too expensive to do the makeup process. That, that I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it was chaotic. I mean, I don't, I don't really envy the position of the writers like trying to do what they did, but like, damn, they did not, <laughs> they did not do a good job. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right, let's um, let's get back into it. Yes, so, yes, yes. Jean's like under Charles's meditative state, but then Logan is like, I really want to like fuck you and stuff. Now that Scott's out yeah, of the like, way, wake up, wake up. So, um. <laughs> He kind of wakes her up. She kind of wakes up on her own, I think, because Phoenix is, like, super strong. And, like, I think that they 
they started like a little bit of being like they have separate ones and separate characters. Like my thought or opinion was that Jean Grey is maybe in love with Scott and that Phoenix nice. is in love with Logan. And like you could even explain that in the other movies, like anytime that Jean Grey is like getting involved with Logan, like you could have gone back to that and been like, yeah, that's that was Phoenix like trying to control Jean Grey. Like you could have made callbacks to that. And Damn, then that like, been cool. again, make Phoenix her own character. That would have been way better. Um, and she's got real like Black Widow vibes. She's kind of doing this rogue thing where she's like kissing and like draining the yeah. life force or whatever. I'm like, can she do that? I guess she can do whatever. She's a, a class five mutant. Did they did they use like the class? No. That's a new thing for that this movie, new. right? I like, think they just so. made that up. Um, and then her like Jean coming to for a moment and basically begging Logan to kill her then at mm-hmm. the beginning part is like super rough big old yikes um that was really good acting like i think the actress does a good job in this movie they oh, don't yeah. give her anything oh, no she's good but yeah the, the part is just not so not so hot and then we go to her childhood home yeah i mean and again i think the idea of this scene is really cool it's revisiting a location that we have physically been to in the movie already because it's the same place from the flashback in the beginning. So it's like, we're revisiting this. We already saw in that scene just how powerful she was as a child, which of course Magneto took to her cause she was lifting a bunch of cars in the air. So he was like, that's cool. Um, and you know, having both Magneto and Charles there at the same time is really cool because it, it kind of like gives you sympathy for Jean's position uh, she's being like vied after by both of them for different reasons, kind of just, and you know, you could say it's worse on Eric's end because of like what he's trying to do with her. But to her, it's like, I'm trying, both of you are trying to use me right. to your ends. But one of well, you is trying to control me more than the other. Right. Like it's control liberation, but, but like, I mean, Eric is still, Control, trying to control her or manipulating her. Right. Like very, even if he's letting her use her power, very overtly being like he is right. He's trying to like sabotage Charles and the whole scene is just like, you know, what's going to happen. Cause Charles is not going to just like, let it go. Yeah. But, but and then, so we get his death. Yeah. Which I do think is the only death that's earned in the whole movie. Yeah. I still, I, I still don't know. Like I get that they had to do it and I don't know what they would have done with this script otherwise, but like, I'm still just like, damn, I don't, this, this like, uh, like half baked Phoenix character is going to bring down my boy. Well, yes. It's like, if anyone has the power to do it, I get it. But I just think, I think the only reason I have a problem with it is the script is so janky. Like, it just feels like it's missing some more moments that would have um, gave this a bit more dramatic oomph beyond just, like, oh, stop it, trying to control me and I'm going to blow you up now. It's just, we we needed more of their background, I think. It certainly could have been better, but of all of the deaths we get, I think his is the most earned. I love his, like, little side smile at Logan at the end where he's like... 
don't worry. Yeah. Like, I, I just, it felt very befitting of Charles and, like, him still just kind of, like, doing his, like, steadfast, I'm just going to try and, like, think my way through this with you and, like, try and get you to see it one last time. Like, I have one more lesson still to teach you, kind of, like, teach yeah. thing. Like, I thought all of that was great, and I, I actually think it was, like, in its own way, kind of a lovely death. But, like, yes, it would have been much better in a better written movie. Yeah, I think I, I'm even, like, a little bit softer on it knowing that they kind of just, like, retconned the whole thing later. Because, like, this movie in in the, the X-Men continuity does not happen. Like, the, none of this exists anymore. Um, but, you know, it's still, it's still annoying <laughs> to watch. But I think I, I agree with you. Of, of all the deaths in the movie, um, I, I, I don't know if I would go so far to be like it's earned, but I, I think it makes the most narrative sense. Um, and yeah, I already said this, but like Eric being like Charles, like I don't, I don't know. They're just like they're both there, and he's like watching it, and I want him to be upset. I want Eric to be sad. Okay. Yeah, I wish we had gotten like a bit more like of him reflecting on that. Like I know, like in the at the very end, he's like, oh shit, but like the whole time that she's like with his crew, not really doing anything. I don't know. Like, I know that that's like going through his head is probably just like, like, oh, damn. Like, I don't really because he's probably like a little scared. He knows how formidable Charles is. Like, you're walking around with the person that killed, like, arguably the most powerful mutant on Earth, like using nothing but her mind. I don't. Oh, see, I don't think he's scared at that point. I think he's just like Charles made his bed when he decided to try and control her. And like, I think he thinks that like she had every right to do that to Charles. I think he's just like sad because like that's his favorite adversary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that's probably true. And then like what he says to Pyro, the little fucking shit. Pyro, <laughs> um, that like, he's like basically the, the greatest person I know besides myself, of course, <laughs> kind of like has done more for mutants than you'll like ever know is like just showing like those two things can exist where like I really respect this person and I'm and I don't disagree with what happened I guess right I don't think he's scared until well one he gets scared when she like puts the vaccines towards him and then like of course at the end when he's like powerless and she's like killing everyone including mutants yeah that's true (laughs) I don't know how Eric tolerates pyro Uh, I don't know like, that's your right hand, man. How far the mighty have fallen. Um, and then, like, Logan and Storm come in, and I think we get some of the worst acting from uh, Hugh Jackman in this moment when he's, like, realizes that he, like, is dead. Like, in that room. He's I, did re- I didn't really... I wasn't really bothered by it. I didn't like it. I don't even really remember what he did. He like made these like weird noises and like, I think like put his fist on the ground or something. Uh, I don't know. It was just like, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's, this is no one's finest hour acting wise. Oh, I think most of the acting in the movie is good. And, and most of um, Logan's stuff is good. It was just like that scene. That I was just like, I didn't like that. I may have uh, mentally tuned out at that point a little bit. 
I'm not gonna lie. It was right after Charles side. Yeah, it was, was probably, like moments. I was probably mad. Later. I was probably like looking up stuff about that on my phone, being like, "How did people feel when Xavier died?" Um. So after that, I mean, we get like a couple more um, moments with the the Brotherhood of Mutants. I think that's that's when we get like the whole thing with Mystique um, talking to the government. Right? Yeah, it was yeah, after yeah. that. I liked that she tried to fuck over Eric. I think she did. She was try actually to. trying, but what? How did, did was someone like? Did someone know that she had reported it? Like, was there a mole so they could have uh, a multiple man like go there and take over instead? What happened there? Maybe, or they just like knew that they were gonna come after them, so they were just like ready. Yeah, that's probably true. They they. At least Eric, if not everybody else, seems like the kind of person to have multiple contingency plans. I mean, they're just hanging out in the middle of the woods. So, I also thought it was interesting that we have this character in all the government scenes named Trask. When we know that there's another Trask in Days of Future Past that um, Peter Dinklage plays, who's a completely different character. Such a shit. And is like... The worst. Yeah. And this guy was like, whatever. This guy was barely even a character. Calling him Trask was just kind of like an Easter egg. He had nothing to do with... Yeah, like, Peter Dinklage's Trask is, like, a really effective villain. Yeah. And, yeah, like, the worst. This is just this is just some guy. I just, I when we watched this for the first time, this was my first time seeing the series, so I didn't really make that connection. I, I would never have thought that. Yeah. Well, mostly because this, I wouldn't have remembered this guy. Yeah, no, he's he's a nothing character. None of these, all the government guys are just, like, I also have only seen Days of Future Past like twice, even though it's a great movie. I just happened to watch First Class like a lot on TV. Yeah, so. I'm excited to watch it. We're I think there's a uh, version of it called the Rogue Cut, with like added Rogue stuff. Well, we should, we should watch that. My next notes are about Rogue. Well, what you got? Well, really about Bobby. So we get. Yet another background plot, which this would have been fine in your version of the movie where it's like more about Rogue, but like the cure stuff. He and Kitty have like this weird <laughs> flirtation, friendship. Let's go ice skating. More. Yeah. So he like, which is very cute, like the whole ice skating thing, but I'm just like, Bobby, this is ducked up. Like, if you don't want to be with Rogue, that's fine. Like, I also wouldn't be mad if he broke up with Rogue. Like, before Rogue gets the cure, like, She's a miserable person to be around. Like, she's not happy. Like, she's the only person in this movie that I'm not upset that she does go through with it. <laughs> well, one, it is literally her choice. No one else that we see, like, does want it. Um, but she's, like, very unhappy. And, like, they don't have a good relationship with how it is right now. Right. Like, like so who? what I'm saying is, like, break up with her, fine. Like, I'm not going to be mad at you, Bobby. But, like, this is messed up. It's not cool. Yeah, and, like, who wouldn't be miserable? Like, she was dealt, like, a terrible hand when she got her powers. And, like, even though, like, she was trying to talk to Logan about it and he was like, no, like, I know what it's like. It's it's not the same because, like, Logan has obviously been through a lot of shit as a result of his being a mutant. And it's like, we don't even know the half of it at this point in the series. But... Like the what Rogue has makes it so hard for her to just like live. If that to a different extent than most of the other mutants. If the mutant that like was the reason for the cure wasn't a child, I'd be like, she should date him. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How perfect. 
But why didn't they do that? She's a teenager and he's a child. If they just made that would have been a very interesting plot, though. Yeah, that that would have been a happy ending for everybody. Bobby could have <laughs> just gone and been with Kitty. Ugh. Also, like we get Kitty as a character, but like very little. Yeah, they're hardly. just. Like, she's in that first scene where they're, like, fighting and, like, that's our first, like, Bobby and Kitty, like, thing. Right. Um, And then it is, like, in the movie, but, like, we're just, like, who is this person? Like, where did they come from? Like, no explanation, just, yeah, really weird choices were made here. I mean, I'm, I am happy that they brought back the character for Days of Future Past. And Brock Because... Elliot Page. Page, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's more for them to do there, but, like, in this movie, nah. Just, or, well, they have a huge scene at the end. They have a lot to do. Yes. We're just not being told, like, we're, we're supposed to, I guess, assume that this person has been there the whole time, which I was saying to Griffin, I feel like this character was there in the other movies where somebody could walk through walls, but, like, it wasn't played by Elliot Page, I don't think. No, no. I'm pretty sure this was his first movie, but, like, it could have been some other just random... Maybe it was, like, a reference or something, but I'm pretty sure that this is the first movie that actually has Kitty in it. Like, it's a great moment at the end. Oh, yeah, for sure. The rescue. I I totally agree, just, like, on the nature of how the character was was handled, which, again, is just a, a consequence of, you know handling all the people that were already established versus how much time they wanted to spend introducing a new character. And that pretty much brings us to the final battle of the movie, which takes place uh, on Alcatraz Island. The Brotherhood uh, makes their dramatic march down the Golden Gate Bridge and then, in a pretty cool Magnino moment, swings the entire thing out to make a footpath directly onto the island for them to make their final assault because they are trying to kill Jimmy, I think is his name. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. It is Jimmy. Um, yeah, I think this um, effects looks the worst of this whole series, maybe. The bridge thing? Yes. It looks so bad. I, yeah, I and mean. And for the most part, I'm pretty forgiving of these movies like they were like a while ago. But like that one, I was like, you really wanted to do this scene, and you did it bad. This is the most expensive uh, X-Men movie. Well, it was for this scene, and it looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, I think they had the common sense to not go... Like, there were definitely some rough spots, more in the first one than in X2, but this was pushing it for the CGI capabilities at the time, even if it was the most expensive um, and then we get like Eric, we already talked about Magneto Eric a lot and his, um, stance as a military leader, I guess. And one thing I thought earlier in the movie, when he said something, I think I might go back on it, but he said, if any like mutants that try and go against us, will use the, the cure or whatever against them. And I was like, that's not something Eric would say, but I actually feel like he would be like, if you're not with us, then you don't deserve to be a mutant. Yeah. So like that one, I can almost see, I could almost like 
okay, maybe that he is like that ruthless. Yeah, he's he's definitely a hardliner in that regard, but it would be an interesting thing to be like, how does he reconcile like furthering his own goals versus like that's like every every fewer mutant there is on earth is something to the detriment of his cause because that's one less person that he could eventually maybe turn to his side. Right. And like the first movie, he's like willing to sacrifice Rogue because it will make everyone a mutant. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think... Or kill them. Yeah. I, I think part of it is just like the the reality of the situation with the cure is just like getting to him so much that he's beginning to maybe drop like a bit of his like moral grandstanding that he is showcased over the last two movies. He's just like, I'm not fucking around anymore because like they are not, they're not fucking around. Right. Like we're at a point where like, this is, they could be committing like genocide against mutants. So I don't care anymore. I'm just doing anything that I can to stop it from happening. Like we get the reminder of the Holocaust again, which is like important. Like it is like that. Like it starts with just like, Oh, you voluntarily move into these ghettos. Like, right. It's no big deal. Like, why are you getting so worried? Right. Like he has, he has reason because yeah, like he's, and he's like proven right when they start weaponizing the cure, which is like, obviously immediately Hank is pissed off about it. But like, that is one of the things that, Eric was right to be paranoid about because like, he's like, like we can't trust them with this power. And like Hank is pissed, but then what does Hank do about it? He quits. Like he doesn't even like, not that he has much leverage, but like what, like what are your Charles and the, their team really going to do about it? Right. And in fact, they protect them, which I think is right. Like ultimately, because they are mainly protecting the the child that's there. Yeah. But uh, a classic, it's a classic conundrum. Um, but then, yeah, so then it just escalates from there. We've got mutants fighting mutants. The cops or whatever are also there. Um, <laughs> yeah, with their plastic guns. Kitty rescues um, Jimmy with the juggernaut. Kind of, that was a, I like that. I'm the juggernaut, scene. bitch. That's the one line that I knew <laughs> from this movie. That was my favorite scene of the movie was like that and like using the different powers and then using the kids' powers. Like No, it was pretty cool. Like I think that line is just like goofy. Even though I like Vinnie Jones from Snatch. But this was cool. Like we get to see everybody doing their thing. Um I like that I mean Colossus, who is barely a character in this, gets to the metal guy. Yeah. Who's a very different Colossus than the one that we meet in Deadpool obviously oh, yeah. uh, gets to throw Logan a couple of times, which I think is right from the comics. They call it the uh, fastball special, <laughs> which makes more sense in the comics. Cause Logan in the comics is like small. He's supposed to be really short and like a stout guy. Really? Not... But like the guy in the yellow always seems big. He's supposed to be like, yeah, he's supposed to be small, oh, like not like just big jacked guy, yeah. huge jacked huge man. Jack, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I, I do like the teamwork and this is like a pretty solid action sequence. Um, like everything leading up to Hank being the one to neutralize Magneto. Oh, hated that. Hated rough, it. Rough, rough. Not a fan. It's like, I mean, for all that Magneto is doing, like in this moment, like literally on the warpath to murder a child, it's like, mm, 
Also, like, if we're going to use those on anyone, why aren't we using them on Jean Grey Phoenix? Right? She's, like, right there. Like, posing <laughs> way more of a threat. Wait, we have to save Logan. <laughs> um. So, I don't know. Like, I thought that was devastating that they did that. And I, it's just, like... What I want from a comic book movie slash series is for it to continue on forever, like the potential to continue on forever. And like they do that at the end with, you know, the school's still up and running, but I'm like, but the characters I know are gone. Well, Magneto like has some semblance of his powers coming Right, which is like, uh, like heartening, yeah. I suppose. But I, this movie feels like if the Marvel's movies had ended at Infinity War. This is what this movie feels like. Yeah. If, yeah. like, they were, like, Infinity War, that's that's the last one. Right. Yeah, like, sorry, we, we killed all your favorite characters, but, like... But, like, we had to end it, you yeah, know? Yeah, no, no, sorry. Um, so I just, I want them to, like... Yeah, I understand, like, some characters have to die for there to be, like, stakes, but, like, there was just so many deaths. And that was my... That's how I felt the first time I watched it. I was, like... Basically, everyone died or, like, doesn't have their power, so essentially died. Right. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. Like I said, they were kind of looking at this as the end of the series or at least of the trilogy, but at the same time, they were backdooring these sequels, and I'm like, what was the actual plan? Because judging by the fact that it took them so long uh, to get back to the main plot and they resolved it by using, like, the one of the most convoluted examples of like alternate realities and time travel that I've seen in a movie means that uh, they did not plan it. They did not know where they were going to go with any of these characters. So I guess they felt like they had a blank check to do whatever they wanted. And that <laughs> meant killing as many people as they wanted. But we also get the, the moment where um, Logan is like having this heart to heart with, with Gene. And I feel like this is such like a, classic trope is just like right as the situation has been peacefully resolved uh all the guys with guns show up and just start blasting right it reminded me of um which feels on point for like the world that we are in for the x-men oh, series for real and in general i would say it really yeah. reminded me of the scene from um falcon and the winter soldier when falcon is talking to carly morgenthau and is like kind of coming to an understanding and chilling and then, and then John Walker, Walker walks in and yeah and is like I have to use force like at all costs because this is a dangerous person which is like okay but like maybe like observe maybe assess the situation <laughs> because uh that promptly results in literally everything getting disintegrated and it's a uh, it's pretty wild everyone gets a Voldemort death she killed so many people. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Gone. Like. Where's his like, movie? A... <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I lost track, he's, honestly, he's... of who was getting killed. I don't. He oh, was like, definitely the characters there, we knew. Just all of the cannon fodder <laughs> that Magneto sent in. All the army guys gone. The pawns. Yeah. And it was pretty cool of a moment for Logan to have because his, uh, his skeleton and his healing factor. Oof, that was gross. Like, that looked good, though. That held up. Yeah, that was pretty Whatever impressive. they did for that. Um, at one point, you saw, like, the insides of his, like, organs, and I was like, oh, God. Um, but he, he survived and thrived. 
and then died. Yeah, I was trying to think. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't find a third. Yeah, and cried. Rough. I I found myself kind of thinking like this is a real like Game of Thrones moment, but like not yeah. kind of. It was not, kind of. Circumstances were slightly different. It was a good. It was a good death scene. Yeah, her her death was earned there. Not that the character had any. No. Neat. No, but. if you if you ignored the ninety five percent of the movie that did her character no justice, this was a good moment for her. Yeah. Um, sad, but good. And like, there's no other way for her character to go. Right. And honestly, like right after that death, like it started like moving towards the ending. And I was like, wait, is this like another like Morbius ending again? I was like, do we not get any kind of uh, resolution? And then I was wrong because we do get a little, a little montage of, uh, I do love the, that they show Magneto at the park and that he does still have. Yeah. Because you can't you can't hold him down, you know? Right. No, he's just he's too strong. And then, you know, we get this other fun stuff with like Hank is now like the new UN ambassador, and we we find out that Rogue well, we pretty much saw as much that she took the cure. Although we see her like get in line when it's like there's active protest going on. So I guess it's kind of like, did she? Like I don't Right. Know. But, uh, and Bobby's like, well, I didn't want you to do that. And I'm like, shut up, Bobby. Like, what do you want? Are you, it's are you not gonna, about are you, you do that Bobs. Or are you just going to go hang out with Kitty and go ice skating again? Like, you can't have it both ways. It's not about you, Bobs. Yeah, it's not your choice. Um, but I did like that Bobby beat Pyro earlier. Yeah. In the big fight scene. Yeah, much needed. He's like, you should have stayed in school. <laughs> stay in school, kids. <laughs> that's, that's the real lesson of this movie. Stay in school. And uh, we get Storm is running the school. Right. Um, they definitely don't have enough teachers, but. I was, we had that <laughs> moment where we were both like, Hank, shut up. Because Angel comes and is like, I heard this is a safe place. And he's and like, what? what? I'm like, what? What's happening right now? Like, why are you, why are you all sad? You weren't even here. Get out of here. Go, go to Seattle, <laughs> Kelsey. Like, get out of here. <laughs> Frasier's the eat some scrambled Frasier's eggs. the sequel series to X Men: The Last Stand. So sad. He takes the cure and becomes a therapist, or is that what is that what Frasier does? Is he a psychologist? Yeah, he has like a radio show. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so we get like this ending, which is a bit of a I would say the Magneto thing is like a bit of a tease, but also like if it had ended here, it's just kind of like uh, in a weird way, like an uplifting note. For like, yes, it do, the movie does end on an uplifting note, but that doesn't feel earned. I'm like, we shouldn't be uplifted oh, right now. Hell no. We should all be sad boys. Yeah, we absolutely should. Um, is this our first ever comic book movie post cred scene? That's a really good question. I actually meant to look it up because we've been watching um, a handful of movies that don't have post credit scenes. Like Man of Steel did not have a post credit scene. None of the DC ones usually do. Not yet. And I am curious. Um, I know that there's a Wikipedia article that has examples from contemporary like, movies. Fantastic Four has like little ones, but I don't think they're like after the credits. They're like a mid credit. Thing, yeah. Right? Or I'm pretty sure. Like the Doctor Doom thing. Cause like some things changed like in the nature of post-credit scenes. Like this the Wikipedia article that talks about it um points out that they were primarily in the past been like little like funny pieces like the right. like Ferris Bueller or like here's a side character that you forgot about. They're like, a funny little yeah. bit. Or like, like even, in a sitcom. Right. 
right? Even like in the the Suicide Squad with uh, what's his name, the Weasel thing, which is like not really anything. Funny. Yeah, but you know, like, of that nature, it's like this disgusting. is it's like. <laughs> Yes, it, it's a little, a little. It's bit. not an Easter egg. It's just like, um, but like I don't know. They they have an example of one from like the the Ben Affleck Daredevil where Bullseye is still alive, but he's in like a full body cast. And but I, I'm not sure, like you know, in in chronological order. But it definitely like still wasn't to the point where this is like a this is a fairly important plot development though. So I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, plot development for what? So can you right. can you say I, what the scene is? So I I had forgotten about the post credit scene, but so the only other time that we see the character that's in this scene, uh, Moira McTaggart, is in the very beginning of the movie when Charles is like giving a lecture to a class about the ethics of mutants using their abilities, and it's kind of like a when you can use them like and other people are like consenting to it. And I think one of the, one of the things that is being discussed, like in this video that he's playing of Moira is like, we could transfer the mind of a dying man into the patient, like a, a, a body of someone who no longer has like higher brain function, like someone right. that is brain dead. It's like, they're not, really using that anymore. So like, is it ethical not using their body. to do this? Yeah. Um, so basically that's we're we're seeing. That's what, what Xavier has done here. He has sent his consciousness into someone else's body, which is like fine. But then why did they bother including that? And then not only that, he shows up again, like later in a future movie, as himself, so I'm like, what the hell happened? Is this how they're going to link him into Doctor Strange? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't want to even hypothesize that. Doctor Strange starts, nervous. and it's, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness starts with this post-credit scene. That would be really funny. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> I'm too, I mean, Patrick Stewart looks the same. Uh, although I guess it's not really him in this. Yeah. Um. I'm like very nervous about them bringing an X-Men to uh, the Marvel. Me too. We're going to find out how it goes in in two weeks though. Um, The thing that really hurts my brain is like, I, we were watching this and I was like, I know that he dies, but I know that he's also in days of future past. And I know that days of future past is partially a prequel, but also in the future, but he's alive in the future. And I was like, where is what am I missing? Like, where is the disconnect between him I think the, coming back to this guy, but then also being in the future? But that future is a result of the past that gets changed in Days of Future Past when Mystique kills that guy. I right? think that um, the future is like, I don't know. I have but to rewatch he's Days also, of Future he's Past. He's like in a part of like the Wolverine or something. I don't no, know. I, I gotta rewatch Days of Future Past the before next, we can answer that. I think I'll remember the most of First Class, but like the next three X Men movies that we're watching, I'm gonna have like nothing. I'm annoyed that the Wolverine movies are next, and then we can't just get right into First. Well, class. we're gonna do one Wolverine and then First Class and then another Wolverine. Oh, okay. So there's a bit of a well, break. Thank God for that. Not too much. Too much. Loading. I actually don't mind the first Wolverine movie. I think it's a good movie. Really? I've, I feel like I remember it not being good, but I didn't really like the Wolverine either. Some people love the Wolverine. I like the whole um, love story. 
not love story that we're getting. Yeah. And like his I lumberjack need, I need to, days. I need to watch it again. I, I remember. Don't know. That's all I remember. <laughs> I remember wanting it to be. They do like a montage being like he's been alive for like so long. And I'm like, yeah, just give me like that. Fighting in like, fuck this striker yeah. shit. I'm excited to get to Logan, um, of course. Never but I'm also him. excited to just kind of. Logan's you know, a long way away, Griff. Oh, I know. We'll be watching that like next year. We don't have to watch Dark Phoenix because we already talked about it just now. <laughs> the movie. Yeah. If we, when we get to that point, it's like, uh, go back, listen to our X in the last stand episode. You will hear all of our thoughts. All right. Well, we shall um, start wrapping up here. What was your favorite scene from this movie? Um, overall, I mean, I already said that one little set piece of Magneto flipping the convoy, but that's not long enough. I think I would. Why not? Pick, it's either that or just like the whole like the action on Alcatraz post the bridge stuff. But yeah, you know, screw it. I'll say the the convoy. I liked it. It was a nice. Uh, a concise action scene. Mine is Kitty rescuing Jimmy nice. with uh, Juggernaut, also in the mix. Classic. I also, one of the things that I didn't mention about my favorite scene earlier was I liked, even though Mystique was in it for very little time, her like threats towards that guy, like when she turns into like that little girl, I was like, damn, that's like, that's some dark shit. I also enjoyed though that that, that whatever actress like played that girl must have just been like like what is that experience like? They get her in there for like a minute and she's like, when I get out of here, I'm gonna kill you myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that guy took it in stride because if that had happened to me, I would have been a little freaked out. Well, he did die. He did. Um, who do you think would win, Dark Phoenix or Hella? Oh, that's tough. Is that a fun one? It, that's Two really redheads. No, Hell had black hair. Oh, well, whatever. Okay. That actress has red hair a lot. Uh, in some like stuff. Kate Blanchett? Some stuff. Yeah. Sometimes she's blonde. Well, whatever. so, I mean, generally speaking, I would give like pretty much anything to Dark Phoenix. But Hella, like, can't. Hella's a god. Hella, like, can't die. Like, Surtur was the only thing that even had a chance like her dad had to just like lock her up so but I, couldn't she like make her fall apart like i don't know like could she just like disintegrate her but then like hello would just like reform because like that's that's really hard to say i feel like they would just be like at a standstill they would just be like fighting endlessly until i don't know maybe dark phoenix could figure out a way to like again like lock hello like in an alternate dimension or something like, does that does that even count? Yes, I, it, whoever defeats who, but I don't think Hela can kill Dark Phoenix. No, no, I I agree. I think they would just be going back and forth until one of them like, like I don't I don't know if if Hela could even incapacitate Phoenix. Like the only reason that she's vulnerable in this movie is because Jean Grey wants to die. Yeah. By Logan specifically right if it wasn't that then who knows i think the the power levels are beyond category five <laughs> whatever they I can't even comprehend such things all right well that was my head to head yeah that was a good one i am not really sure what another good head to head would be um sonic versus sonic the hedgehog 
Like the blue one? Yes. Versus the, one. the guy with the porcupine? Versus the porcupine guy. Blue Sonic. Yeah, obviously Blue Sonic. Although I just like reminded myself that... guy was kind of weak sauce. Yeah, he had to hug people to kill them. <laughs> I knew that was weird. Um... I just reminded myself that there was like a character that was just like that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Equally lame. Uh, inhuman? Yeah. And she just got, it was, it was her character is like tragically funny because she like wanted to be an inhuman because she thought it would be like this like beautiful transformation. And then all she got was spikes. I'm pretty sure it's also a sky high character. <laughs> that sounds about right. We have to go back to listen to our sky high episode to check. All right, well, um, we'll be back into Marvel for the next couple weeks. We got a big movie coming out. We're finishing up Moon Knight, and then we'll get back into um, some DC World. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff coming up, so hope you all enjoy. Let us know your thoughts on the uh, original X-Men trilogy. Um, Drop us a review on iTunes. Yeah, please, and follow us on Instagram at... uh, into the Superverse or Superverse pod or something? Something like that. Into yeah. the Superverse. Yeah. Um, and we are... Out, out of the, the Superverse. Superverse.